1: Verse 22 goes like this. one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It'll be on the screen, so you can read it with us if you don't. that's okay. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it shortly before dawn jesus went out to them walking on the lake and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake they were terrified it's a ghost somebody say boo it's a ghost they said and they cried out in fear but jesus immediately said to them take courage it is i don't be afraid Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down of the boat, out of the boat, and walked on the water. Come on. Anybody ever read this story as a kid and then go try it in your community pool? I know I did. Didn't work like four times. True story. I did have a friend, though, that I was trying to bring to church. And I told him, I was like, if I go right now and walk on water in your pool, will you come? He was like, yes. I was like, let's do it. I went out to the backyard. <laughs> i was like, you ready for this? Are you ready? He's like, oh, my God. It was, it was awesome. He came to church that day. But I, I didn't walk on water, but he came. When he saw the wind, but when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out. Come on. How many people know that you're just to save me away? Just to save me away. No matter how scary life gets, just to save me. I don't know how far Jesus was, but as soon as he said, save me, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? The title of my talk today is, phrase you're probably familiar with growing up especially around halloween time i want you to tell three people tell them the title of today's talk it's make-believe it's make-believe tell the person next to you don't worry it's make-believe tell them don't worry it's make-believe don't worry it's make-believe you can have a seat thank you Gabe. come on how many people are grateful for the amazing worship team we have right Oh, and I love that second song, Peace. That is an original written by my man Gabe and the team, and uh, grateful for them. Can't wait for the album to come out, 2017, amen. How many people, oh, by the way, I always I forget this, because but, but this is so important for me. so many new faces I see every Sunday. Just want to introduce myself. My name's JJ, pastor here at uh, Journey Church. Thank you for coming and being with us this morning. Hey, by a show of hands, how many people uh, you love Halloween like Halloween is your jam like raise your hand if it's okay like you're not going to hell if you raise your hand I just want you to know that we're not that kind of church Some people in church like no it's a trap as soon as I raise my hand They're gonna whip out the oil and it's gonna be over and it's not gonna be good and it's not a trap I just want to know I'm not a big fan of Halloween not because I think there's anything wrong with it Um, uh, Although my parents really didn't let me celebrate Halloween when I was a a, a child, Um, but uh, I don't really have a, a problem with it, I, I, I enjoy costumes and candy as much as the next person. Uh, my only problem with Halloween uh, is that my kids, specifically Justice, my oldest, he loves spooky things. I mean, just loves uh, spooky things. If he's in the kitchen and I'm in the living room and I'm watching uh, a Reese's Pieces commercial, he runs over. Uh, you know, the Reese's Pieces. The... Anything. If there's like a werewolf howl or a bat wing, or a, a creepy music, he runs. He loves spooky, which I would not have a problem if he also wasn't terrified by spooky. Um, and so during the day, it's cool. He's, I like it, it's scary, I love it. spooky, dad, yeah, look spooky. But at night, when dad and mom are trying to sleep, no good, spooky, no good. You know. And recently, uh, and I'm just being honest with you guys, transparent with you, recently, uh, Probably a couple, he actually just got over just a few weeks ago, but uh, for like a month, there was this ghost that lived in, our, in his bedroom, supposedly. And, uh, and I would go in there, and I would try to talk to him. He'd be like, Dad, there's a ghost in my room. I'm like, there ain't no ghost here. You know, because you first, you try to reason with your child. But then when it's like 2.30, you're like, "It's no ghost. The only ghost that lives here is the Holy Ghost, okay? The Holy Ghost, that's it. No ghost in here. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and and at 2 o'clock in the morning, I, I did with him what my dad did with me, right? What you probably have done with your kids or your parents did with you, right? I sat down and I told him, I said, papi, don't worry. I said, it is make, it's make believe. It's not real. It's fake. But it did not help him at all. He was not more courageous after I tried to explain to him the difference between real and fake. And so I was like, why is this not working? And I thought about my childhood. And I was like, let me go back to when my dad said it to me. And maybe I'm missing something. Maybe the way you say it, it's make-believe. I don't know. Maybe it's a I got to emphasize something or maybe I have to show him something before it. And I went back into my childhood and I thought, man, my dad did it for me, but it didn't work either. Yeah, My dad wasn't big on, uh, I can talk about him because he's not in this room, he's an usher, but he's outside, so I'm going to just blow him up right now, but he uh, he would never let me watch scary movies, he was anti-scary movies, but for some weird reason, he was pro-Haunted House, huh. an anti-scary movie, pro-Haunted House, I don't know what his deal was, and uh, he would always go to Haunted House every Halloween, and he took me uh, one year in the Haunted House, and you got, yo, know, Jason popping out of one corner, you got the devil coming out of the ground, and... Bats flying overhand, and I'm literally crying. I can remember my teeth in his ribs. Just like ah, just fearful. And he puts his hand over my head, like, "Don't worry, it's make believe." And I'm like, "Well, it feels pretty freaking real to me, Dad. I'm scared." Is it okay to say freaking in church? It's my church. I so say whatever I <laughs> um. I was scared, man. It didn't help. And you know what I realized? Listen, real or fake doesn't help when you're a kid, and it doesn't help when you're an adult either. If it did, why are you still afraid when you watch scary movies? You know it's real. Why are you still hiding underneath the sheets? You know it's real. Why are you not watching that movie by yourself, right? And that's when I realized it's not about what's real or what's fake. Fear does not operate on what's real and what's fake. It's what you believe that makes you afraid. When I understood that it's what you believe that makes you afraid, I changed my approach with justice. Instead of trying to get to understand what's real and what's fake, I gave him something greater to believe in. So a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I went into his room and I said, all right, this whole real or fake thing not working. I was like, all right, papi, let me explain this to you. Okay, there's a ghost in your room. Okay, he's here. Because at that point, it's not, it's, not if, it's not if ghosts are real or fake, right? It's if he believes ghosts are real. And so I said, you know what? Yeah, he's here. But you know who else is here? I'm to start preaching. <laughs> I said, you know who else is here? He said, who? He said, Batman. I said, no. <laughs> Not Batman. He said, who? I said, Jesus is here, Poppy, and he's bigger than the boogeyman. And then we did the whole song. You know the VeggieTales song? Raise your hand if you know the VeggieTales song. Sing it with me. God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Oh, God is bigger. Y'all got to get up on your vegetables. Bigger than the boogeyman. And he's watching out for you and me. That song, Save My Sleep. Save My Sleep. And so, and so, and I told him, I said, he's bigger than you, he's bigger than the, he's bigger than the ghost, Bobby The ghost is scared of, 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 of Jesus. When Jesus shows up, the ghost just runs. And you know what? And he's on your side. And he's fighting your fight. And then I would put my hand on his chest and I said, God's about to speak to you. Are you ready? And he will go, yeah, yeah, God's going to speak to me. I said, close your eyes. And then I would get in his ear and I would whisper. And I'd say, I love you. And I'm bigger. And I, and, I, and I punched the boogeyman in the face. And then I would tell him, I said, Justice, did you hear God? He said, yeah, I did hear him. I said, what did he say? He said, he's bigger. And he said, he's going to punch the boogeyman in the face. I said, good. Now go to sleep. <laughs> and, I went to bed. and it worked, y'all. And it worked. And that night I realized, listen, and this, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. That night I realized something powerful. You don't fight fear with facts. You fight fear with faith. You don't fight fear with facts, and that's good for you because when you're a kid, it's easy to outfact your fear, but it's not as easy when you grow up. It's, Monsters aren't real. Okay, cool. I'm good. Yeah, that works when you're a kid, but what happens when the facts are not as simple or when the facts are not in your favor? What happens when the fact is 50% of marriages end in divorce? What happens when the fact is one out of every seven women will develop breast cancer once in their life? Those facts suck. I Don't like those facts if I live my life influenced by facts. I'm gonna be terrified I don't believe my house with a bicycle helmet and some some elbow pads all day Because you know what the facts say or the facts show I should be afraid listen I'm not I'm, I'm not afraid of the facts. I want the facts I'm just not gonna let the facts outweigh my faith And I'm gonna choose to live life based on what I believe and not just the facts Because facts never bring comfort only faith can do that I don't like the ocean Because I don't like sharks. I don't care, because I looked it up, if the odds of getting bitten by a shark are one in three million. That doesn't make me feel better. I don't go to the beach, and I don't like to get under the water. Why, you know, sharks. If you were to tell me, well, don't worry, only one in three million, I'm like, well, what if I'm the one? What if I'm the one, man? Tell somebody who has a fear of flying. Why you shouldn't be afraid of flying. Only one in every 11 million people die in an airplane crash. But what if I'm the one, son? Don't tell me that. It doesn't help. Facts don't bring comfort. Do you think the facts comforted Jesus the night that he was about to get arrested and get stripped and beaten and put a a crown of thorns on his head and whipped and metal nails stuck to a cross through his hands and a spear through his side? you think the facts brought him comfort? you think if you were up to him you said, hey, Jesus, don't worry, man. I know it's going to hurt and uh, I know you're going to get whipped and I know they're going to literally strip the skin off of your body, but hey. In three days, you come back to life. So chill. You think that helped Jesus? You think it helped Jesus to know that, hey, you're going to be nailed on the cross, but don't worry, the average crucifixion only lasts about six hours. But hey, but then it'll be over. So, you know, there's some facts to put underneath your pillow at night. Now, how does that make you feel? no. It wasn't the facts that brought Jesus comfort. If it was, he wouldn't have prayed what he prayed, which was, is there any other way to do this? Did you know Jesus prayed that? He loved you so much, he wanted to go to the cross, but he didn't like the process. And so he was like, is there any any other way to do this? But then he said this, and this is how I know it was faith that got him through it. Then he said this, he said, but not my will, but your will be done. In other words, he said... I don't, and the facts are not in my favor. The facts suck. This is scary, but you know what gives me peace? That God has a plan. And my faith in God's plan is what comforts me, not the facts. And I want you to know that. Because some of you guys find yourselves in situations right now where the facts are not in your favor. You know, the facts are not on your side. The facts are discouraging. The facts are disconcerting, but you need to be able to consider those facts, but let your faith in God and in his plan outweigh all those facts in your life. That's what I want to do with you this morning. I want to rebrand the phrase, it's make-believe. Back when you were a kid, it was signifying the difference between real and fake, but that's not what I want you to use that phrase for today. I want you to use that phrase to be able to pull faith out of fear So the next time you see a monster, you can look that monster in the eye and say, it's make-believe. Because how many people know we're older, but we're still afraid of monsters? It's just monsters of a different name. Before it was Freddy. Now it's finances. Anybody know about the monster called finances? Anybody have a bill to pay next month and you have no idea how you're going to pay for it? That's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. I know I'm there. Pretty scary. When you were a kid, it was Chucky. I hated that doll. I saw a parent dress up their two-year-old as Chucky. I just want to say, if I'd have walked past that two-year-old, I'm not gonna say what would have happened. I'd have given him a journey card. <laughs> i in church. Um, when you were a kid, it was Chucky. Now it's change. Starting a new job in a new city with new people, starting a new church. It's scary. I know change can be scary. When you were a kid, maybe Texas Chainsaw Massacre was your thing and Leatherface was what scared you. But now it's not Leatherface, now it's loneliness. Now it's you, you're in your 30s and there really isn't somebody around that you can call a spouse and you're wondering if that person is ever going to come and it gets scary. If you were one of those slasher movies, if you were a fan of Scream, now it's not Scream, now it's success or lack of it. What if you never achieved the goals that you set in your heart to achieve? That's scary, being a nobody, not ever recording that album. Not ever growing that church. Not ever starting that own business. That, that, that can be scary. But here, the next time you face the monster, I want you to look it in the eye and tell them what your dad told you. Tell them it's make believe. And by that, you're not saying it's real or it's fake. By that, you're saying I'm not going to let this destroy me, but I'm going to let this build my faith. Because real or fake doesn't work. Okay? The balance on your bank account is real. Yes. It is that low. <laughs> you can't look at your bank account online and be like, it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> you it, it's real, buddy. It's real. Okay? But you can't let it overwhelm you either. You can't look at that balance on the bank account and say, OMG, OMG, OMG. No. You got to look at that bank account and you got to say, I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm going to work, I'm going to save, I'm going to invest, I'm going to cut my costs, I'm going to cut my expenses, I'm going to budget, but I believe God is going to work through this for my good. I believe. You have another option. You can believe. You can't outfact your fear. You need to learn to outfaith your fear. Outbelieve your fear. That's what God wants you to learn today. That's what you need to do in your life. Listen, do you struggle with anxiety? Do you struggle with stress? Do you struggle with worry? Here's the antidote. Get more faith. Believe more. Some of you guys, well, that sounds pretty easy. Uh, uh, It's not. How how do I get more faith? How do I believe more? Actually, it's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah, because faith actually comes through fear. If you want to increase your faith, you need to face your fear. Did you know that? Yeah, that's why you got to be careful whenever you pray, God, give me faith. Some prayers like that are dangerous. I don't think you know what you pray sometimes, and it works just like patience. Anybody ever prayed, God give me patience? I want to be a more patient person. Raise your hand if you've ever prayed that prayer. That's a bad prayer. I mean, it's not a bad prayer. It's a good prayer, but you need to know what that means. When you say, God give me patience, what you're saying is, God bring annoying people into my life. Patience doesn't come out of heaven like a like a chocolate, you know, balloon. I don't know why I came with that. Just. Uh, it's the only thing. Balloon. I just. I don't know. It just doesn't. Patience doesn't drop out of heaven a your. Oh, I'm just. Wow. No God. Cut me in line by all means. No. God gives you you know idiots to work with. Like that's what God does. He gives you coworkers you can't stand. He gets you pregnant. I'm just saying. Because <laughs> kids will test your patience. I'm just saying. Kids will test your patience. They will. Okay, you know, I ever prayed, God, teach me how to love people, because then He's gonna bring unlovable people into your life. People nobody could love. That's how you learn to love. And if you pray, God, give me faith, guess what He does? He introduces fear into your life and allows that fear to pull the faith right out of you, to build that faith up. And you know that science is actually proving what the Bible already said? Yeah, I found this out in my research for today's sermon. Did you know they found a cure for the fear of heights? Who here is afraid of heights? Raise your hand if you're afraid of heights. That's why you're sitting in the front, because the angle. I get it. It's lower angle here, that's fear. I can totally get it, yeah. <laughs> There's a cure good, good for you. There's a cure for anybody. There's a lot of hands that came up. There's a cure for the fear of heights, and it has an over 90% success rate. True. Virtual reality therapy. This is what they do. I saw it on uh, YouTube. It. You'll see it. Um, They get this guy or girl, whoever the person is to struggle with heights, and they put a wooden two-by-four on the floor, wooden two-by-four on the floor, okay, and there's the ground, and then there's the two-by-four, and you look at it, and you go, wow, that doesn't look very scary. It's only two inches off the ground, obviously, two-by-four, but then you see what they're seeing in their virtual reality, and it's a two-by-four hanging off the side of a building, and they walk on the two-by-four, but as they're walking on the two-by-four, it looks like they're walking off the edge of a building like 100 stories above ground level. And they're walking and they're walking and they do that over and over and over. And the reason why it cures them is because one part of their brain is telling them, oh my God, you're gonna die. This is scary, this is freaky. But the other side of their brain is saying, but you're in a room and you're two inches off the ground and you're gonna be okay. One side is telling them you're gonna die And the other side of their brain is telling them, you're going to be okay. And and through a process called overexposure, which is they, they do it one day, then they come back next week, they do it again. And it gets scarier and scarier, higher and higher. The beam gets longer and longer, over and over and over. Eventually, they come over their fear because when they actually stand in front of the real height, now both sides of the brain are speaking together. And this is what the brain is saying. It's amazing. The brain is saying, hey, don't worry. You've been through this before, and you made it. So you can go through it again. Did you know God works the same way? He puts you into particular positions in life. He exposes you to things that scare the life out of you. That bill, that marriage, that loneliness, that sickness. And You're thinking, oh my goodness, why is he doing this? What you don't understand is that he's exposing you. Because if you just knew that no matter what you faced, listen, that you would be all right. If you could just have the faith to know that, you know what, this isn't virtual reality. This is real, but it might as well be because I looked at this book and I read the last chapter. And let me tell you how it ends. You win. You win. I win. No matter what scares you in life, at the end, we come out victorious. So you might as well have a helmet on your head because no matter how scary it gets in this world, I know one thing. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be okay when you face your fear with the knowledge that everything is going to be okay. uh, your, Your brain literally gets tougher. Your spirit literally grows calluses in a good way. It gets tough and it becomes unpenetrable. That's why Peter was able to walk on water because of overexposure. You might not know this, but this is actually the second time he was ever in a storm with Jesus. The first time he was in a storm was right before this time. Mark chapter 4. You don't got to go there. It's not on the screen. I'll just read it. This is a separate storm that happens before the walking on water. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. And a furious storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat. All the disciples in the boat, so was Jesus, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples woke him up and said, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Wake up. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, said, to the wind, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm and the disciples were terrified. And Jesus looked at them and said, don't you still have faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the waves obey him? Listen, the reason why Peter was able to walk on the storm was because he already saw God calm the storm. Peter was a product of overexposure. He faced the fear, saw it, got through it, and was able to do more things than he was able to do before the fear came into his life. That's how God works. And even in Mark 4, it's amazing. All the disciples in Mark 4, you know, it's Mark 4, it's so early in the book. Up until Mark 4, interesting note, Jesus is doing all the miracles. After Mark 4 is the first time in the scripture you ever find the disciples doing miracles. Isn't that interesting how fear Can build faith. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that God, write this down, he's not trying to scare you, he's trying to prepare you. God is not trying to scare you, he's trying to prepare you you the reason why he put you through that thing was not to kill you it wasn't to freak you out it wasn't to get you to sweat it's because you have a calling over your life and he needs you to develop the courage and the character and the commitment and the fortitude and and so that you can get that thing that he has over your life so that you can walk through it and grab it so you can do what the disciples did for the moment the disciples were born there was a destiny over their lives to change the world and there's a destiny over your life but what's gonna unlock it is you facing and walking through your fear don't run away from it don't hide don't pretend like it's not there use it amplify it harness it and allow it to catapult you into your destiny that's what god wants to do with you that's why you got to rethink and this comes from you know from 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 back in the day old school uh, religious mentality that anytime something ever goes wrong in your life is because you're a bad person my my mom when she was pregnant with my little my little sister Vicki, they had uh, diagnosed my sister with Down syndrome and one leg. She's obviously beautiful and has two legs and smart, and so none of that was true. But what broke her heart was when she went to church, and everybody at church told her, well, well what are you doing wrong in your life? Because God would never do that to someone who believes. God would never do that to someone who, who honors him or who loves him. I mean, if you were a good person, if you loved him, surely your life would be problem-free there be no storms, there'd be no wind, there'd be no water, there'd be no waves. But that's an unhealthy view of the gospel. It's actually not a view of the gospel at all. How many people know that when Jesus died on the cross, he came to release your guilt. He came to release your shame. To live always in fear of the fact that things are going wrong is because you made a bad choice, undoes all that Jesus meant to do on the cross. When he died, it was so that you can take all that off of you. Because all the punishment that you were supposed to get in life, can I tell you, he took it for you. Okay, and it wasn't the disciples that, 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 that uh, by the way, it wasn't their fault that the storm was going on. I, I want to let you know this, because some of you guys are in a situation right now where it's scary, and you're thinking, I must have made a bad." No. Who, whose idea was it for the disciples to go into the water in the first place? Read verse 22. Throw it up on the screen. Verse 22. Matthew 14. I'll go ahead and read it in my Bible. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. There it is. Immediately... The devil made the disciples get into the boat. Get into the boat. I'm going to get you. Go get into the boat. Immediately, the disciples thought, hey, it would be a good idea to leave Jesus here in the mountain and go into the boat ourselves. No. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. What if you're not in the situation that you're in because you made a bad choice or because you're in sin? What if it's Jesus that made you? What if it's Jesus that asked you? What if it's Jesus that encouraged you to go into that thing? But well, why? Why would he do that? Why would he torture me so? Can I tell you, I, and this is a, a full disclosure because I know I, what I love about Journey Church is that uh, a big portion of us grew up in church and a big portion of the people here today don't go to church. And so I'm going to say something to all the people who don't go to church is probably going to make you never want to come back to church again, but it's the truth and you need to hear it. Not serving Jesus is one of the scariest things in all of your life that you can do. Say amen for the next one, too, because it's good. But sometimes serving Jesus can be the scariest thing you ever do. Yeah, if you came here contemplating, I want to be a Christian because my life is crazy and I just want a life that's not crazy. Well, buddy. He never promised a life without storms. He just promised that you'd make it through the storm. That's the difference. But why would God do that to me? Why would God ask me to move to another country? He knows I don't like different foods. He knows I get upset with Indian food. Why would God send me as a missionary to India? It scares me. Why would God tell me to speak to a complete stranger and invite him to church? God knows I don't like talking to strangers. It's scary. Why would God ask me to join a small group? God knows I don't like opening up about myself. It's scary. Why would God ask me to tie 10% of my income to church? God knows I'm broke. I barely got enough money to put food in my fridge. He wants me to give 10% of my income to the church? That's scary. Why would he ask me to do that? Because he wants you to live a full life. You know, when my wife um, was raising Justice and Zane, I mean, I helped, I raised two, but she's a stay-at-home mom, so she she gets like 51% of the credit, you know, so for for raising um, Justice and Zane, she messed Justice up, and I don't mind sharing that with you because we actually talked about this beforehand, and she gave me permission, and she admits that she messed Justice up. Um, If you know my boys, you'll know Zane is the daredevil, courageous, loves life, Gets on roller coasters, you know, dresses up as whatever and likes. it. Just He's not. He don't care about the ghosts. When Justice was crying about the ghosts, literally, Zane would be like, Justice, stop it, literally. He's two. He's three now. He's younger than Justice. He doesn't care. He's brave. But, but my wife did something with the way that she raised Justice, we raised Justice. <laughs> then the way we raised Zane, she was super, listen, she was overprotective with Justice. We had this thing called a playpen, big old playpen. She goes all out. It was a big playpen. It was like the mansion of all playpens. And and then it had this big old, like, three-inch shag carpet so that if he fell, he would just, like, bounce off the floor instead of, like, hitting the floor. It was crazy. It just She went all out. And, and she would never – and the thing about the playpen was is that justice would never um, – Learn to walk because whenever he wanted to stand up, he would just grab the playpen and he would get leverage on the playpen and he'd use the playpen as the lean on and, and the stand. Um, and uh, and, but with but Zane, I told her, I said, it's gonna mess him up. Um, and and then we said, I said it, I said it, it he's gonna mess that boy up. And so, um, but with Zane, here's what we did with Zane with Zane, I said, let's let's shoot it up, no playpen. She said, but he's gonna die. I said, He's not gonna die. Why is everything death with you? He's gonna be all right. You know, he's not going to die. Um, uh, just take out the playpen, and here's what you do. Why don't you just stand in the corner. If he falls, you pick him up, but he's going to learn. Zane learned how to walk in half the time Justice did. Half the time. Half the time. And 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 not only that, but now he he's, like I said, he's brave. He's courageous. Sure, he has a chipped tooth. Sure. You know. Sure, he's got some... He bleeds more than my other kid and then gets more scrapes than my other kid. But you know what else he's doing, too? He's enjoying life more than my other kid. My other kid's great, by the way. I don't want to knock go down. He's awesome. He's just... There was a difference, right? Why am I saying this? Because some of you are wondering why bad things are happening to you, even though you serve God. And it's because God wants to give you just enough protection in your life to keep you moving, but not so much protection that you get comfortable. See, he has to take the playpen down in your life so that you can learn how to walk out your faith stronger and better and faster and farther than everybody else. People serving God talking about, why am I going through these things? Why am I going through hardships? Where's the playpen when I need it? Where's mom? Where's dad? And God is saying, listen, if I I put it up, you'd be too comfortable. You'd never go nowhere. Your growth that I want to see in your life would be delayed. So I got to take it down and let you know that I'm there. Don't worry. You know, and I'm sure you're freaking out right now. Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? I'm sure Zayn was thinking the same thing when he chipped his tooth. Where is mom? Where is mom? Where is mom? You know what happened the moment he chipped his tooth? She ran, picked him up, wiped off the blood, (laughs) hugged him. Baby, I'm here. Baby, I'm here. And I think that's what God wants you to know too. She was trying to teach Zayn two things. One, you got to learn to move when you see me. You got to learn to move when you don't. And she was telling him, and in case you don't see me, don't ever think I'm not there. That's why Jesus sent him out into the storm the second time. Because when you think about it, I'm like, all right, if Jesus is trying to teach people how to be brave during storms, they, he didn't, didn't he already do that during the first storm? It's like, what happened? to the disciples get left back? Did they need to repeat a grade? Like, didn't they go through storm 101 already? Like, <laughs> Why are they going through a storm again? Didn't they just go through a storm? Yeah, but did you notice the big difference between the first storm and the second storm? In the first storm, Jesus was in the boat. But in the second storm, he was on the mountaintop. He was trying to teach them. But Liz was trying to teach Zane, I need you to to learn to move when you feel me. And I need you to learn to move when you don't. I need you to learn how to get up and walk, and let me tell you, if you get afraid, I'll be right there, because the moment those waves got too much see, you got to, they couldn't see Jesus because of the waves and the wind, but he was on the mountaintop. In other words, they couldn't see Jesus, but he could see them. I want you to know, whatever your situation that you're in right now, whatever is terrifying you, whatever makes you feel alone and call up into a ball in the corner, and you feel like nobody is there, because you can't see God, you might not be able to see God, but God sees you. Yeah, he's he's right there. He's just peeking. He's just waiting to see what you do. He wants to see if you learn how to get up. He wants to see if you learn how to walk. But but what if I fall? If you fall, he's going to do exactly what Jesus did. I'm right here, guys. Isn't that what he did? The moment the disciples start to freak out, Jesus comes out of the corner. I don't know how he did it because in the verse before, he was in the mountain. And then in the verse later, he was right behind the boat teleportation, I don't know. The dude came back from life. I don't put anything, you know, behind him. He's all-powerful. he do whatever he wants. He's in the mountain watching, and the moment the disciples get a little too scared, guys, I'm right here. Don't freak out. But they didn't recognize him. That's the interesting part, right? Matthew chapter 14. That's, I think that's the most interesting part here in this whole story. Verse uh, 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost! They said and cried out in fear. The interesting thing about that word ghost in the Greek, it's phantasma, which literally means like evil specter, evil spirit. The disciples were thinking, because you got to put yourselves in them shoes, okay, because if you, if you look at it from us, we're like, man up, it's Jesus. But you have the Bible. You know that. They're thinking, the devil's trying to take me out while Jesus is away. He waited. He waited for the moment. The devil waited. I live with him. I wake up with him. We, we sleep in the room right next to him. The devil waited for the one moment when God wasn't with me to freak me out and drown me. Dang the devil. But what they didn't know is that when things were the scariest, God was the closest. It wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus. But I don't blame them. Because I don't even know, when when you get freaked out, everything's a ghost. That's why I understand them. I don't like scary movies. I used to love them. Then I got married. And Liz hates scary movies. And two become one, y'all. That's real. And because she hates scary movies, now I can't stand scary movies. But one day I wanted to test the water. She was out on a trip somewhere. And they were showing a rerun of a scary movie I always wanted to watch. But I never did. Uh, Paranormal Activity 1. Y'all, I was by myself. In the living room. And it was Daytime. I was terrified. I mean, I believe in Jesus, and I know He's protecting me. I was He's bigger than the boogeyman. He loves me. <laughs> he's on my side. We'll oh, punch the devil in the face. All that I was telling myself that. But can I tell you, I was I was terrified by myself. I I I, I was I t- wanted to take a nap. I put the blanket on me, and I kept checking every five minutes under my blanket for the. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. I'm like in the. What are you getting? In the name of Jesus. Get out of my blanket right now. Nobody's popping up in here. Don't put the tea on me. put it on me. I just want to be honest. Can I be honest? Listen, when I heard a noise, because when you're scared, how many people know there's a monster in every corner? When I was by myself, listen, when I heard a noise, I did not think it was Jesus. Jesus, is that you in the, in the corner there coming to save me? No, it was, in the name of Jesus, get out, the devil, O fire of hell. Just remove thy ugliness from this realm. And it was just, right? Why? I'm trying to paint you a picture. When you're afraid, it changes your perspective. Of course they're not going to see Jesus. They weren't expecting to see Jesus. They were expecting to die. And because they were expecting to die, everything was filtered through that fear of death, through that terror. Why am I telling you this? Because I I know life is scary, and I know you got some scary things, and I know right now all you can think about is your debt. I know right now all you can see is your debt. I know right now all you can see is your marriage. I know right now all you can see are your kids. I know right now all you can see is your health. I know right now all you can see is your career. I know right now all you can see is that scary thing and that scary thing. But you can't let your fear keep you from seeing God in the situation. You can't. Because he's there. But if you allow it, fear can steal your perspective. The way I see it, you got two choices. Write this down. You can either see the ghost in the storm or the Jesus in the ghost. You can either see the ghost in the storm or the Jesus in the ghost. And I want to encourage you. Don't focus on the things that are scary in your life. Focus on the one consistent, never moving, unchanging, eternal, alpha and omega, beginning and end, never shifts person in your life. Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're wondering why we come to church and why we even believe in Jesus. This is the reason why. Because he is the one unchanging force in my life. When everything else is moving, when everything else is changing, I keep my eyes on Jesus. And life makes sense because He steadies me. He steadies me. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Here, I was, I was, I was for three days. I was figuring out how I'ma illustrate this to you. For three days. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta show them what I mean because this is it, this is the reason. Make believe, getting faith out of fear, just pulling that. Out of the fear and just getting outside, you know, worrying about the fear and keeping your eyes on Jesus. And, I, and, I, and, and, and after three days, this was the best I could come up with. I went through like five illustrations. You got to list I was like, okay, we're gonna have somebody dressed up in a ghost costume. Nah, that's corny. In the middle of the service, you're gonna shut off all the lights. Boo! nah that'll somebody a heart attack. So I came up with this. And so I need a volunteer. Yeah, Rat, could you help me out real quick? All right, Rad. Pretty simple. I want you to do this, okay? I'm going to do it first, and I want you to do it, all right? I want you to take this gift wrapping paper is what it is. That's, that's neither here nor there. Should put two fingers underneath it. I've been preaching more right now, so I'm a little amped up. I got the adrenaline, so hopefully I can do this. And I want you to walk from this light to that light, okay? right cool but one change i want you to do it looking to the right completely to the right all right completely to the right when i say go one two three to the right completely to the right go all right all right let's try one more here. i want you now to try it looking completely to the left completely to the left ready set go All right, all right, all right, two more, ready? Now, I want you to do it looking completely at the base, at the base, okay, the base. One, two, three. (laughs) All right, ready? Now, we're going to switch it up. Now, I want you to do it. Wait, 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 This is what God told me. This is what God told me. He said, that's what fear will do to your life. It'll try to do one of two things. It'll either try and distract you by getting you to look to the left or the right, or it'll try to discourage you by getting your head down. But if you keep your head up, focused on the one who never changes, Focus on the one who has been the same since the beginning focus on the one who said cast your cares on me Put your worries on my back. Let me carry your burden. Just put it on me. Then you can go everywhere I tell you to go. Here's what you got to do Here's how you get through the struggle in your life. You keep staring and you keep walking You keep staring and you keep walking. Don't let the debt Steal your attention. Don't let the breakup discourage you. Keep your head up. You keep staring. You keep walking. You keep staring. You keep walking. Keep staring. Keep walking. Keep staring. Keep walking. walking. Because God's going to take you somewhere. God's going to take you. If you keep your eyes on him, don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Fix your eyes on the Lord. That's that's why peter that's why peter drowned bible says the storms came up and the lightning whoosh, and when the lightning shot next to him and the thunder blew, he had his eyes on jesus but for that very moment the fear distracted him and he stole his eyes and when he saw him the bible says he began to sink but that's also the thing that got him out of the boat when he was in the boat and everybody else was staying in he said he said he said he said is it you jesus Because I think I can see you. If it's you, tell me to come to you and I'll come. Here's this whole purpose of this message. Are you ready? God wants you to get out of your boat because there's so much more in life waiting for you. There's opportunities waiting for you. There's businesses waiting to be begun. There's people he's waiting for you to meet. There's small groups he's waiting for you to start. Ministries he's got in your heart. There's these opportunities, careers that are getting lined up. But it's going to require you to get out of the boat. But if you allow fear to distract you and discourage you, you won't move. You're going to stay stuck. You keep asking yourself, will I fail? Will I sink? Will I swim? When really the only thing you should be asking is, is that you? Jesus, is that you? Because if you know Jesus is there, then just fix your eyes on him and let him take you where only he can take you. I don't know about you, but I'm going to choose to ignore the ghost in the storm and find the Jesus in the ghost. When I started telling people close to me that we wanted to start a church in Winter Park, you should have heard some of the stuff. I mean, there were people who were like, oh, it's going to be great. God's going to move. But it was like every other person I spoke to was Winter Park. Nobody goes to church at Winter Park. These people got money. They're kind of well off. And, you know, people who got money well off, they don't do Jesus. They're comfortable. In a, in a school? not do a school. That school's too big for you. You're not going to fill every seat. You, you, you're not going to do it. But I kept telling, but God told me to do it. Why? Why do I tell you that story? They were, they were pointing out all the ghosts. There's a ghost here, and there's a ghost there, and there's a ghost here, and there's a ghost there. I'm like, bro, I hear you. I know that there's ghosts, but the thing is, I also see Jesus. And so, and so I, I, I got two options. I know that there's ghosts out there, but I'm not going to live my life negatively influenced by the ghosts. I'm going to live my life moving, chasing, following the voice of the Lord, Jesus. I just got to go do it. I got to follow Jesus. I'm going after you.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.